Hello, welcome to Broadway and Other Kiwi Dreams, a weekly podcast exploring the lives and minds of theatre practitioners in and around the New Zealand performing arts industry. I'm your host, James Shearer. Today, I'm joined by acclaimed musical director, Andy Manning. Andy has loved music ever since he picked up a recorder at four years old, much to his parents' delight, I'm sure. Since then, he has grown into an outstanding music director and performer. Andy joins the podcast to chat about his studies both at NASDA in Christchurch and RCS in Scotland. He details the events of one of his favourite productions, Twisted, the story of Jafar from Aladdin. We also get a bit off topic and chat about Harry Potter, so if you like Harry Potter, then this is the episode for you. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, enjoy a conversation with Andy on Broadway and other Kiwi dreams. Hey Andy, how's it going? I'm great. I'm just excellent. I'm so good. Lockdown's real weird, but I'm I'm having a bloody awesome time. Amazing. So first off, this being a kind of musical theatre based podcast. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What is your favorite musical? My favorite musical. At the moment, it sort of changes as as we go on. And it's a question I find like I find hard to answer. I I, I feel like it's like if someone asked me, What's your favorite friend? Who's your favorite friend? And I'd be like, Oh, I'd be so worried that all the other friends were gonna get jealous if they found out. Yeah, totally. All the other musicals are gonna get jealous of my love. What if Spring Awakening hears me talking about the little shop of horrors? Like it'd be a disaster. <laughs> I don't know, in terms of like historic, like canon shows, like Little Shop for sure, I have a deep, mm-hmm. deep love for, a massive appreciation for, and like I've done it once I did it at a high school, which was a jam, and I'd really like love to do it again. So did I. Did you? Were you in it? What What was the story? I was in the ensemble. <laughs> what did the ensemble, I couldn't tell you what the ensemble do in Little, in little Shop. They do Skid Row, and then like... Close oh, renovation y stuff. Yeah, they do the little bit parts. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, the strange and interesting plant. All of those characters. Skip, snip, and like oh my god. Such fun. Great show. Um, but uh, I don't know. I've been fairly obsessed. Like if we're talking like big like proper commercial real person shows, then like yeah, Hades Town, I'm obsessed with, of course. I, I saw it at, uh in London for like a development thing they had at the National. And I had no idea what it was because I wasn't cool enough and I just didn't know about Hades Town. I was like, oh, I wonder what this is all about. I came yeah. out and I was, I was like, holy shit. And everyone's like, yeah, dude. Yeah, <laughs> it's Hades Town. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was amazing. Like super moving and like a really cool experience to see it. But yeah, I don't know. I guess those, I guess those are my favorites. It's always a hard question to ask. I'm sorry to all my musicals that I forgot out there. Please still be my friend. <laughs> Heading back in time, were you a performer or a musical person growing up? Yeah, I was. I played music from a really early age. Played a recorder, started a recorder when I was like four, was learning to read music, which was really fun. And I actually liked recorder. I was probably the only person in the class who didn't fucking hate that thing. And I cannot blame them. Including the teacher. I, I was on the wrong side of history, let's be clear. <laughs> but I really enjoyed it. Um, I was like, it's quite fun. I ended up playing clarinet and saxophone as a result of that, I think. And then, yeah, did a bit of acting. Fell in love with musical theatre at high school, as one does. Did, yeah, a lot of performing growing up. Heaps. Were your parents kind of in that world? Yes, yeah, sort of. So my mum was in choirs and stuff growing up. Dad categorically not not at all it's like the joke of the family that everyone else is musical but he's just useless <laughs> he's absolutely terrible but bless him he's come to everything i've ever been in <laughs> amazing <laughs> yeah he must fucking hate some of those things like i hated some of them when i was in them for god's sake but like 
Yeah, so super supportive and like mum's musical and she does plays and stuff. Um, but yeah, <laughs> not from dad's side. And do they kind of have any reservations of you going into this kind of career or were they just super supportive all the way through? They were pretty supportive. I remember dad sitting me down and being like, this is what you want to do? I was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, sweet. He's a dentist, you know, he's like not at all in the world. Yeah. And he was like, how are you going to, how are you going to make it work? What's your plan? And I was like, oh, I'm going to go do this and this and then study here and then work here and do all this. And he was like, sweet. Sounds like a jam to me. And my mum was sort of just like, do what makes you happy pretty much. So I think, yeah, they were on board with it. Um, Another theatre question. Uh-huh. Um, What is your dream role to play or maybe your dream musical to be a part of as a musical director or something like that i've always wanted to do spring awakening and i'm like butthurt mm-hmm. that i haven't got to do it yet because i missed it at nasda by <laughs> a year and then i missed it at rcs by a year as well that if i'd been a year later at nasda or a year earlier at rcs i would have got to be in it or md it yeah or like it Right. work on the MDing job at RCS, which is the school I went to in Scotland. And so I've kind of got this chip on my shoulder about it. I've been like, man, what's the point of being like a guitar piano MD dude if you don't get to do fucking Spring Awakening? <laughs> one day, one of these days. Would your hope be to be in the cast of the show or oh, not, as the musical Not director? really, no. not. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think I'd want to be in the show anymore. I'd much, much rather MD it. If someone was like, yeah, sure. do you want to be in this show? There's already an MD. I'd be like, hell yeah, I'd be hell yeah. But like, no, nah, mm. that's that's definitely a show I'd want to MD. If I was to do it, mm. you'd want to, I'd want to like bring all the band on stage and do it as an actor muso show and like have the line yep. between musician and actor really blurred anyway. So like Hadestown. Absolutely. man. Yeah, it's inspiring. It yep. really was. Yeah. Uh, so you touched on going to Nesta. How, how was that process for you? It was mint, man. It was really, really cool. Mm-hmm. I, I had such a good time at Nesta and like it was such a wonderful place to be. The process was definitely hard as any like formative training like that probably should be. Like I would have been worried if it wasn't difficult, but like, I don't know, I put a lot in at Nesta and I feel like I got a lot out as well. And I kind of, I was really happy by the end of it. I felt like sure. I had heaps more to learn and like, definitely wanted to study more but it was also just fun man like regardless of whether it was mm. good for if it was good for someone's career or if it's something like that if it like it's not always fun but like for me it was just like it was a dream i was with all these other people who loved the same thing as i did and and we were being teenagers together at university like it was a, a real fun really? time yeah <laughs> and getting to do shows and shit together and everyone loves that stuff man did your kind of md area of your Correct. Did that did that start at Nasda or did it start before or it started at Nasda really? I don't think I knew what a music director really was before Nasda or I didn't know mm-hmm. that you could do that as a job and you could have that as a career path. I just I don't know what sure. I thought in <laughs> all the musicals I'd done up to that point, but I just didn't think about it. So I sort of figured that out and I was like, oh shit, that's what I want to do for sure. I don't want to be a performer anymore if I can do this instead. Um mm. it's just it's just suited me so much better and I found it so much more enjoyable and I'm less insecure about myself as an MD than I was about myself as a performer, which feels really nice. It's like makes a definite obvious choice for something I want to pursue. Mm. But yeah, found that at NASDA and was like, oh, this is what I want to do for sure. Let's go do this. Cool. After NASDA, you went up to Auckland uh-huh. for about five years, right? Yeah, I was up there for five years and just sort of freelancing, mostly doing MDing, lots of teaching. I had a good time. It, it was a real fun place, a real challenging place after Christchurch, like, it felt like quite a, I don't want to sound too much like a small town boy, but like it's a bigger place and there's lots more people and the industry is way more active and way more competition. And 
I found the competition quite intimidating at first when I got up there, but it's something you have to get used to, I guess. And and I did, and mm. and I I found some like really really good pals to perform with and to create with. I found like a little group up there, which was really really cool. You know, people like Naomi Cohen and Hamish McGregor and Edwin Beats, who were like my closest friends, but I also got to make work mm-hmm. with. You know, really cool. Hadley Taylor, mm. bless his heart. So do you want to maybe touch on maybe some of the particularly meaningful or memorable parts of that? Obviously, you MD'd for That Bloody Woman, which is yeah. massive. I think the most memorable one, although That Bloody Woman was an incredible ride and like I learned the most I've ever learned in my life during that process. But like, well, we did a show called Twisted, which to this day is like my favorite experience in doing a show, I think. We produced it ourselves with zero budget. Adam Spedding, the director, just paid the rights out of his own pocket. And we put it mm-hmm. on at a basement theater in December of like 2015, I think, for a week. It was, I don't, I, I, like, I'm always afraid I will misquote this, but I'm fairly sure the way I've favorably remembered it is that it was the first book musical ever to be done at basement. So like there's so many musicals being done at right. basement, but people often create their own work to put in there. And heaps of really, really incredible musicals. But as far as someone staging like a book musical, I Gabby reckoned it hadn't been done before. And don't quote me on that, Gabby. I'm sorry if I got that wrong. But we sort of, yeah, Adam Spedding, the director, paid the rights out of his own pocket. And then we got some producers to come along. His mum made all the costumes back in Tauranga and sent them up. Right. And it was like this big, it's like a big fake Disney show. Yeah, it's about Jafar, right? Yeah, the untold story of Jafar, the royal vizier. Yeah. It's just like wicked slash... Aladdin and we just had a blast we had a seven-piece orchestra in this tiny theater and like worked off the smell of an oily rag and pulled in a thousand favors for the show and just Mm -hmm. got it together and it just worked and I remember the the overture finishing or the first the opening number dream a little harder finishing on the first night and just feeling like I don't know feeling like I wanted to cry or shout or I couldn't quite like put my finger on how good I felt that it had gone right like that's I've never had a feeling like that before or again and I'm okay with that it's like it was I don't ever want it to be that unsure (laughs) again when I do theater I want to be by opening night I want to be pretty damn certain it's going to all go but like we had Khaled Parker like running mics up on the roof for our final dress rehearsal and just like all of this crazy shit happening and led up and, and everyone loved it it was just it was just awesome the basement theater is a really really special place in my life which is why i'm so Mm. glad that little andromeda has opened in christchurch yeah definitely but yeah doing a show at the basement and making it work and it was just such an awesome feeling after that you got into rcs which is royal conservatoire of scotland you had got into a lot of different schools over in the uk what made you choose that specific school i got into two different schools i didn't manage to audition for the third one there are the three places you can do MDing in the UK and I didn't I couldn't get an audition for the third one because I went over there to audition I like had this fly away like six day trip to the UK in April I chose ICS because I really liked David the supervisor I like really mm-hmm. really vibed with him and I was like most of the learning is going to be coming from working with this guy or people this guy hires and they were offering scholarships for music directors there and I was like I'm probably going to aim to move to London at some point in my life. Fuck knows if that's happening now, but that was my thinking at the time. I was like, I'm probably going to go to London eventually. So going to another city and experiencing another city and actually another country on the way feels like more diverse experience. And I liked the course a lot better. It kind of just had everything going for it apart from the fact it wasn't in London, but I'm so glad I did, man. That place is so special and Glasgow is just such a, such a very, very special place. I love it. Mm. Can't wait to go back. So did you did you know anyone over there? Like did you have not a soul? No. no? <laughs> I didn't know a single cool. person in Glasgow. So yeah. yeah, I just 
had a good time, made lots of friends and met lots of people. It was nice going into a school. It's a bit easier because you're just like going to have, yeah, totally. you're going to have friends there. So I wasn't going to be completely alone, but yeah. it's such an easy place to meet people though. People are so like friendly and outgoing and it's awesome. Speaking of just the course itself, how was that? It was really full on. It was the hardest I've ever worked, like ever. By a, by a large margin, like it was such a demanding course, 12 hour days, six days a week. And just did that for a year without like we had holidays, we'd never summer break. So it goes from September to September. <laughs> so it was just like so much work, so much playing, so much arranging, just like the sheer yeah. magnitude of, of hours we did was was so big. But um, my three other MDs were like excellent guys. We got on really, really well. And um, I think that was really lucky because I sometimes you put that many creatives in a space together. Sometimes the chemistry isn't quite right, obviously. Um, mm. But having three other MDs plus the tutors around me was unlike anything. Like MDing is a, a fairly solitary role in that you work with the director and the stage manager and the producer and the choreographer, but like none of them are speaking the same language as you often. It doesn't mean you can't communicate. Sure. You communicate with them, but you're speaking, you're talking about these things and they're talking about the same things, but in, in a different way. If you have mm. all these people speaking the same language, talking about the same thing and being able to describe really minute problems I was having of like really technical music directoring things. And they'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And it was, that was really, really cool. But we did a couple of shows. Because you worked with the theatre students, eh? Yeah, so we worked with the bachelor's students and the master's students on the musical theater course so yeah we ended up being like um interns it was kind of it felt like that like we're music directors working on the program but being supervised mm. and studying at the same time so sure. it means that they they pay for the scholarships by hiring fewer repetitors for the actual drama school itself so we'd play mm. for all the coaching sessions and we'd play for auditions and we'd play for master classes and, and it was great doing all that playing as well as it really did wonders for me. That all finished up before this whole lockdown thing happened, eh? Yeah. So I graduated in September and then stuck around in Glasgow for a few months and did a couple of gigs and then did a lot of teaching and then came back just before Christmas and taught at Sintus in January and started some stuff at NASDA and then it all went to shit. So we're kind of not quite sure what's happening at the moment. I'm doing... I've done yep. some Zoom coachings at NASDA this week, which has been real fun. It's been nice to cool. get back in the virtual room with students and jam some musical theatre yeah. and like have a really good time. How does that work with um, you know, music? Because obviously there's latency issues and everything. Yeah. So you can't do... We haven't been able to do live accompaniment without it mm -hmm. sounding like shit for one person. So it's yeah. generally listening and giving feedback and sort of demonstrating little things on the piano and then getting them to sing them back and, and just giving notes that way i have run like small passages just playing and be like sing along and having it be comfortable for them because they can hear the accompaniment but having it just being hell for me because i'm hearing them like a, yeah. a third of a beat or two thirds of a beat late but just yeah. having a go at it it's been quite fun to just be like i can still listen and hear with they're doing it the way I've requested or doing it the way they want or just completely offbeat. Yeah. And just tell my, <laughs> tell my fingers to just do what they're doing and then listen to them with the other half of my brain. And like, so it's been like kind of silly and fun, but like, it makes me really miss sitting down in a room with someone and playing. Like I really, really miss that. It's such a joy. Such an interesting challenge that's come about from this whole thing. I know it really is. I hope we're doing all right. But like, I, I, I think we're doing all right, but I hope we don't have to keep doing it like this for much longer. Fingers crossed. Yeah. So you've learnt instruments. You've learnt recorder, saxophone, clarinet, piano, guitar, 
Mm-hmm. Is there any instruments that you haven't learned yet that you would still like to have a go at? Anything in the string or brass family. Like, I, c- I cannot, unless you consider guitar or a string instrument, which I don't because I'm not a pedant. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't play any of those instruments. And I have no idea how. I have no idea how to play any bowed instruments. Like, I'm, I think I want to play them, though, also. I'm quite happy not being able to play violin. I'm like, I don't need that in my life. But sure. I, I'm currently trying to teach myself accordion which is really difficult and like a really good challenge because you'd think it has a keyboard on it it's similar to the piano but it's totally not a oh and believe me mate the the right hand the right hand is sweet as the right hand's doing what it's got to do with the left hand and the bellows are just fucking difficult the left hand is very hard yeah i'll just take it slowly (laughs) hopefully get a little bit better Mm. i've always wished i learned the trumpet or the trombone because i think they're really versatile and that like appeals to me as like a freelancer now i'm like oh think of all the gigs i could do if i played trombone like no one plays trombone and you can do jazz or you can do classical and you can do musical theater Mm. like it seems like a good shout but i just wish i played some of the instruments i play right now a bit better that's sure that's um that's where i'm at i'm like i know enough instruments i'm fine with that i just wish i was like better at them <laughs> mm. i've got my sets now i've just got to upskill them yeah totally so you touched a bit on the teaching side of things how how's that been for you you probably wouldn't have studied the teaching aspect of it but i love it man it's like a it's a really consistent source of income for me and has been mm-hmm. forever um but i also just really enjoy it when i first got to auckland i started teaching. I was like a specialist music teacher at primary schools, but I just take like groups of six of them away and like do like, we'd all sit in a circle and play percussion instruments, with, like five-year-olds. And I'd like had a fucking blast. It was a really, really <laughs> fun job. And then have done high school musicals. Like I've done a lot of MDing for, at high schools and then done quite a bit of tertiary stuff as well. Now it's funny. I always was like, damn, so I sh- someone should have taught me how to do this. Like, I think I'm okay at it now. Yeah. But I am like, shit, I must have been not very good when I was figuring it out because I was just figuring it out. I love it. It's 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 really fun. It's really, really rewarding, especially getting into the tertiary stuff is just so good because the students are so keen and like you can just tell them to fuck off if they're not. You can't tell them to fuck off, but like they don't have to be here like high school kids or primary school kids do, mm. which is like makes a, a much easier process for me. I loved mm. doing high school shows. I'm supposed to be doing one of them right now in Christchurch. And because it's not teaching, you get to work with the kids, but you're not a teacher. There's lots of teachers there, but you're not that. You're just a contractor. Yeah. So I like, I can't wait to get into more of them. They're, <laughs> they're an infectious energy. Yeah, totally. And I think that half of the teaching thing is the passion that you have for it as well. Yeah. And transferring that to the students. True. I wish I had, I wish I knew how to teach better though. Or like I wish I knew more about pedagogy or like I'm surrounded by like really good teachers at places like NASA and RCS. So I can learn a lot off of them. Totally. And that's always nice. Do you have a favorite role that you've played or if not, maybe a favorite production that you've been a part of? Obviously you said Twisted, which seems like it holds a pretty solid place in your heart. Twisted is definitely, that's the answer that I reckon I can give to that question because people ask it mm-hmm. every now and then. Um, yeah. And I reckon that's it. I actually kind of never really felt like that. I think that's my, I think that's my favorite. It's for dream role. I've really enjoyed being in Billy Elliot. Like I was in the company, like the male mm-hmm. minor ensemble for that in Auckland. And that was sick. That was so much fun. It was a really fun cast and like a, a harrowing season it was really long and really physically demanding super super fun role i, cool. I love ensemble stuff man yeah me too if i went back 
and like wanted to do more performing, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd really want to play any leads. No line Charlie, just up the back, I'm in a fucking great time. <laughs> we have touched a little bit on the lockdown and yeah. the coronavirus. And obviously, maybe not obviously to some people listening, but you're doing Harry Potter live streams. I am, absolutely. I, th- I figured I needed to give myself something to do. And I also wanted to extend a bit of an arm to people come and be part of something every morning. Uh, so hmm. I started with the Philosopher's Stone, I guess about three or four weeks ago, and I just read a chapter every morning on Instagram live at 10:30 AM New Zealand time. Yeah, we do that every day except Sundays. And then I've been having special guests on for the Chamber of Secrets for my second season, which started last Monday. So we're just coming to the end of week two of season two. Um, yeah. and we've had amazing guests on six days. And yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see how long everything lasts. We could definitely go on to Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, yeah. But I don't know what press date is for this podcast. So I'm talking. I'm talking in retrospect about the final week of season two, which was incredible, and it all finished up on the 25th of April. Oh, but just so good, wasn't it? Awesome, just so good. I'm so glad you could come, man. Like I'm glad. It's just it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, and that's been that's been a bit of a saving grace. It's made me get out of bed and put clothes mm. on every morning. Yeah, you need those things to keep you sane, eh? Yeah. Yeah, and just something to work on and try to get better at and yeah, yeah. fun. Have you been a big potterhead your whole life? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Read the books endlessly as a kid and uh, wasn't... I watched the first two or three movies heaps and then all the others I have only watched mm. once or twice because I didn't really enjoy them as much. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but I have like, yeah, listened to podcasts about Harry Potter and I'm not as romantically attached to it as I used to be. I don't mind people talking shit mm-hmm. about it because I reckon it is real stupid yep. a lot of the time. <laughs> and I think that's okay. And it's sort of taken me a while to be like, oh, it's okay to have this nostalgic or even like nowadays love for something that is real dumb. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, let go of being something having to be the most serious thing in the world if I'm going to love it, which I think I used to fall into a little bit. Totally. But like, I, I'm fine with loving it now, and like, I'm it brought me a lot of joy and comfort when I was a kid, mm. and it kind of still does now. Yeah, yeah, and it is a it is a kid's book for the most part. The later books kind of get into the more adult themes and stuff, but the, definitely the earlier books are very much children's books. They're allowed to be dumb, and I always prefer that because I think she doesn't better job of writing dumb shit than she does of writing serious yep. shit in mm-hmm. some ways that's kind of unfair because i think she writes serious shit really really well but i think that early dumb shit is so fun yeah. to revisit yeah. like it's just it's just enormously fun to revisit whereas the the later stuff i don't i don't find as fun to go back to because it's quite it's good writing and it's quite traumatic yeah. to go through it and it's like it's engaging and it's engrossing and i don't always want that from like a book I'm picking up for shits and gigs, you know. Mm. Have you listened to Potterless? No. What's Potterless? Oh my God. It's a podcast where a 25-year-old guy reads the Harry Potter books for the first time. At the start, he's like, this is stupid. This is like terrible. But through the whole podcast, he kind of falls in love with the books. And it's just ama- it's amazing to listen to. That's really cool. It's such a good concept. I'm like, how... Did you go your whole life not reading the books that you are able to talk about something that you don't that you have no idea about? Like he know he knows a little bit about the story and stuff from media and stuff, but what a legend though! Like <laughs> turning it into like a, this amazing, really popular venture because mm. it's so relatable. I think or nostalgic. I think is what it, is what it is. Is why it's so popular. 
because people get to go back and discovering it for the yeah, first time it and hear it for the mm. first time. So mm. shout out to Podolus, not that you need it. <laughs> shout out to Podolus. I'm going to look it up for sure. So we're actually coming towards the end. Say it isn't so. So this podcast is called Broadway and Other Kiwi Dreams. Mm-hmm. And that's because, it, you know, it's my one of my dreams to be a professional actor and do that sort of stuff. So I was wondering, what is your Kiwi dream? If we're talking about like poster dreams, mm-hmm. right? Like I want to be a development music director for something that goes massive. Sure. You know, I want to be like an Alex Lacamoire. Or I want to be someone who works alongside creators and like makes that dream a reality. And I don't want it to work big time. Yeah. <laughs> like I want it to, I want to have that kind of super success. I think that would be like the, surely the high point of an MD being the original MD on a show and like get those orchestration credits. Yeah, definitely. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, I think, I think that is it. Oh, can I talk about dream miscast role? Oh yes, do it. Sorry, I didn't ask that. That's a show. I'm gonna I'm gonna interpret that as a show that I would never get to MD, but would really want to. <laughs> there are a lot of shows I'd like to MD or conduct that I just don't reckon I'd ever get asked to. Like, I'd love to conduct Don Giovanni or something, mm-hmm. but like, I don't know if anyone's gonna hire me for opera unless I do a whole lot of training and get experience in doing opera. But like, stuff like that is so appealing for me. Sure, but I think. At the moment, I'm like, I'm happy developing myself and like wanting to do more contemporary musical theater work and wanting to work with more pop pop rock stuff primarily. And I'm really happy with that. And like, I think that's a really good wheelhouse for me. But like, maybe I'll try to be an opera dude one day, mm. maybe in my 70s. You know? Yeah, in your prime. <laughs> yeah, finally get sick of six chords and like decide to go to opera instead. That's really cool. Cool, man. Cool. Well, um, thank you to you, Andy, for being on the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, of course. Of course. Thank you to everyone for listening. And until next time, we'll we'll see you next time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed hearing Andy's story. You can find Andy on Instagram by searching at AndyXGrams. That's at Andy, the letter X, Grams. If you're into cool Instagram grids, head over to the podcast Instagram page at and other Kiwi Dreams. Every week, I upload a three square wide photo of that week's podcast art. I also post a teaser of the upcoming episode on my story. So if you want to hear early snippets of what's to come, head over there and give us a follow. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and our website. All of those links are in the description. Join me next week as I talk to one of the puppeteers creating content for the New Zealand Police Facebook page on Broadway and other Kiwi dreams.